With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. What the world needs now is positivity. Connecting, relating, and being human together is where it's at. Hi there, honey German, and I know life happens, but trust, you got this. And State Farm got us. It feels good knowing that State Farm agents are there to help you choose the right coverage with great support 24-7. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. Welcome to Morenita, your deep dive into the Latinx experience. My name is Darylin Castillo, y te invito. On today's show, we welcome Joelle Perez. Joelle is an award-winning performer and writer living in NYC. As an actor, his theater work includes Fun Home, Sweet Charity, and Kiss My Aztec, among many others. He is a playwright who has written multiple shows and is currently developing a show for Time Warner. Joelle was a really fun guest, and I really enjoyed getting to know all about him. Hello, Joelle Perez. Welcome to Morenita. <laughs> we are so excited to have you here, um, a fellow Broadway performer. Thank you, thank um, you. And, and all the things, as I described in your bio right before this. Mm-hmm. Um, so tell me, how did you catch the, this is my, my favorite question to ask my Broadway peeps, but like, how did you catch the theater bug? Tell me about your life, about how did this begin? Sure, sure. <laughs> My journey toward performing started at church. My mm-hmm. um, my dad is a Pentecostal minister of a church. Okay. Pentecostal, fuego, fuego, recibe. Uh. <laughs> so, <laughs> so that's all theatrics. Bless. Honestly, Bless that's all. Your heart. <laughs> honestly, that's all theatrics, really. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that's like where I started performing. I played the drums, and my brother is a guitarist. And so we were like the worship team, el grupo de adoración in our. Are my you dad's the church. older or the I'm, younger? I'm the youngest. I'm the youngest okay. of three of three boys. Oh, three um, boys! Wow. So one time, one day, my dad sat me and my brothers down and was like, "The church needs musicians. Each of you need to <laughs> learn an instrument." And I was the last to pick, so I got the drums. I really like performing. This is cool. However, like. There are no artists in my immediate family, so it never mm-hmm. really was a. It was never really like a an option. I never. I wasn't growing up being like I want to be an actor. I this is mm-hmm. what I want. I want to be a performer. I was just like I like this. This is cool. But I actually went the more like academic route. I was like a kind of a super smart kid and took like AP and honors classes and look at you. And, you know, I was a big nerd <laughs> and like. Uh, when I graduated high school, I actually went to college, uh, to Tufts University as a chemistry okay. major. And I Ooh, was in their pre-med brain. program. I was like supposed oh to be a God. doctor. 
Yeah. What kind of doctor were you? Were you? What were I you was, thinking? I, I think if I was if I went through with it, I probably would have tried to be a pediatrician or like a or I don't oh, know. help the babies, help, help the kids, help the, help the, help the kids, help the children. That's so funny that you say that though, because I was like a side nerd, but I was never like good at science or anything like that. So this is where mm-hmm. my dreams died. Something that I really thought was interesting was like the artistry of like mm. recreating. I mean, parts of the body. I'm like, that's such a interesting artistic Mm -hmm. kind of thing that I was like, that's cool. I think that happens with a lot of like immigrant parents who like Mm. have a kid who's smart that they're just like, you're going to be a doctor or a lawyer or something that makes money, you know? Yeah. I just kind of went along with it. I was like, okay, I guess like this is what I'm supposed to do. Sure. Um, but you were good at it. See, like after, for me, I, after was, good time, at, I was like, <laughs> I was good at it until I got to college. Like really when I, when I got to Tufts, which is a, a really, it, it was a particularly difficult program that was like designed to mm-hmm. weed people out. And mm. I was like, I can't do this. There's kids in my classes who like live, breathe, need to be doctors. And I was like, I don't, this is, this shit was is Was the hard. program like kind of diverse? Did you find a lot of diversity in that program? Or did you, did you find yourself being like the only Latino? There is quite a bit of diversity in the, and there is a really active, um, I was part of the Tufts Latino Center. Like that was one of the first okay. things I joined when I got there. And so there were a handful of us who were like the, the like Latino <laughs> kids were like, we're all going to be doctors. And maybe like two people <laughs> stayed with it. <laughs> Everyone else was like, this shit is hard. Right. They're like, wait a second. Oh, shit. I was so smart in high school. And then I got to college. and I was like, damn, this sucks. I was a part of a a singing group called the Tufts Chamber Singers, where we sang classical chamber music. And a woman that was in the part of the group, she was music directing a student production of Children of Eden, this musical Children of Eden. She was like, oh, Joelle, you're a good singer. You should audition for the show. And I had done some theater in high school, uh, like for fun, never very serious, but <laughs> never tr- truly because I was like, I need to do, I need stuff to have on my resume to get to, into college. Mm-hmm. And so then when I was doing, I was in rehearsals for Children of Eden and I was like, oh, I actually like being at rehearsal more than I do, more than I like doing chemistry problem sets. <laughs> Surprise. <laughs> I should probably <laughs> rethink my life. <laughs> wow. I resisted it for a while, but then at the end of sophomore year, I like declared a drama major. And then uh, I considered like transferring to another school, to an actual conservatory or something. Uh-huh. But, but I really loved my, my classmates and I really loved going to Tufts. And I figured like if acting didn't work out, at least I'd have a degree from Tufts, which would give me a, I could I get mean, a job hey. doing something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How was growing up in church? Tell me about that. Ooh, how long is this podcast? Honey, we're, we're only eight minutes in. We got the time. Um, because this, I mean, that's that's a whole other thing is because like my parents are super conservative uh, Christians. Mm-hmm. I am a gay actor in New York. Hello. <laughs> so that, I mean, my being an actor was like sort of secondary to my being gay. So I think they were just kind of, of like, well, at least we have to pray for him for all this other stuff. So the me being an actor is like the, the least of their worries. The plate is full of the prayers. The plate is full <laughs> But actually, a funny thing is my parents were, we have no idea what you're doing, but we, not that they supported me, but I always like, 
I was like paid for my own bills. You know, I'd always, mm. I always worked. I always like, I, I never asked them for, for money or for support in that way. Mm-hmm. I, like, but in summers I'd, in college, I was always, I always had a job. Like I used to work at a bank as a teller. Um, okay. and then, um, my senior year of college, I was in Boston doing theater. I was like doing school in Boston and Boston, uh, has a pretty active, um, like commercial and film scene and a theater scene mm-hmm. or whatever. So I would go and audition for stuff at this place called Boston casting. And I got oh. cast in this, um, Air Jordan commercial for Nike. Right. No me diga. So I do this national <laughs> Air Jordan spot. You got a national spot. Okay. I got a national Air Jordan spot. They sent the check for my payment to my parents' house. Cause I put, I put their address as my address as my permanent <laughs> address. So then my mom goes, Oh, él te llegó algo. Parece un cheque. I was like, I was like, open it. And when she saw how much I got paid for this commercial, she was like, Oh my God. Like what? This is how much you got paid. How much I, you got I paid? Mean, I don't, I mean, it must've been like $1,300 or something, you know, like the, the, the pay, like your, your, your pay for the, for like working for the day, but yep. it truly blew her mind. And mm-hmm. I think since that moment, she was like, Oh, there's actual like money in this. This isn't just you and there is money in it and you're making it. And so exactly, it isn't quite uh, like, I don't think you're, you're, uh, totally insane for thinking that you can be an actor. <laughs> right. Right. You're like, Oh, one day of work, $1,300. Yeah. Okay. She was like, Oh um, shit. And I love that you said that too, because I was just speaking with somebody about this, but it's like our parents, they, they're like, Oh, that's nice. But then like you come out and you make your bang, you make your Broadway debut in fun home. Mm-hmm. Or like, you know, when I got when I did Hamilton and my family's like, Oh, like, this is it. Like, I yeah. see, I get it. And like, you're doing all these great things. And I think that comes with like pride yeah. and all of that in our cultural, you know, experiences. Um, it's also just like something they can brag about. Exactly. It's also something that their friends understand too. Cause even like when I was doing fun home, when I was like de- part of the, like developing fun home, the very mm-hmm. first time I was a part of it, I did it at the Sundance theater lab. It was developed there and I was a part of it there. Mm-hmm. And I told my parents, oh, mom, dad, I'm going to this thing, the Sundance Theater Lab. I'm like, okay, so I was like, the Sundance Theater Lab? <laughs> Sundance, not know. <laughs> heard of it? And they were like, we have not. <laughs> I was like, ¿y cuánto te pagan? And I'm like, I don't know. Like, it was like $350. It was like no money. And they were like, yeah. oh, okay. And have then, fun at Sundance. <laughs> have fun at Sundance, I guess. And then like, and then we did it at the public, like at the public, mira, the, the public, public theater, theater. Hello. The New public York. theater, but they don't know. They had no idea what the fuck that was. Yep. And it was yep. totally over their head. They were just like, que? The public, que? So, bueno. But then when you went to Broadway. But even that, I mean, we can unpack that <laughs> because. Let's unpack that. Let's unpack it because yes. Fun Home is about um, a lesbian and mm-hmm. her complicated relationship with her father, who is a homosexual, who it comes out that he's gay himself and he commits suicide. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so did anybody record your parents' face? My while parents the show? did not want to see the show. <gasps> I had to beg mm. I had to like beg them to come. I had to be like, wow. get over yourselves and come wow. see the show. Like they didn't come to opening. They didn't, it was like months and months later that I was like, 
Do you guys want to come see this show? I mean, I'm doing my Broadway debut. And they finally, finally, they came and saw it. It's a challenging piece of theater for those who don't know what the show's about. Like, it's about it's about Alison Bechtel. Um, it's based on a graphic novel by her name, but by the same name, Fun Home, where um, she sort of unpacks her history with her father, where mm. um, she came out as a lesbian to her parents. And then a couple months later, her father was hit by a truck and died. And it's believed that he might have committed suicide by the, he jumped in front of this truck because he um, was gay himself. And it kind of comes out later that her coming out might have caused him to sort of confront some truths about himself and he couldn't handle it and he committed suicide. Mm -hmm. And so just hearing like lesbian, gay, suicide, I think that was just stuff that like are just dirty words for people who are like my parents, who I think Mm -hmm. were just not didn't really want to be confronted with that. And, um, and so I had to like, be like, y'all have to come see the show, like get over yourselves and come see the show. And actually led to like a very fruitful and interesting conversation. Like you can't watch that show and be on the side of like, yeah, he should have stayed in the closet and he should have, (laughs) he should, he should have lived a lie. I think that's my personal coming out. Also, I think forced my parents to confront some of their own ideas of what they think about gay people. And, um, when was that for you personally? That was, I was like 22. It's like when I moved to New York, I was spending the summer at the Williamstown theater festival. I was in the uh, non-equity company at Williamstown. I couldn't muster up the courage to tell my parents that I was gay. So I left them a letter Mm. And then when you left to go to New York, when I left to go to New York, because I was like, you know, at least now I'm starting my own life. Um, if for some reason my parents are like, they, I'm like, you can't kick me out of the house because I don't You're live like, with I'm you anymore. I'm already out. Yeah, I don't live with you anymore. So, because that was a Strategy. genuine, that was a genuine concern of mine. I was like, mm. I don't know how this is going to go, and I don't know if they're going to be like, get mm. out of our house. Um, yeah, and so. When I, after I came out to them, or at least after I left them a letter, it was then like a while before they wanted to like actually talk about talk it. Talk about it? Yeah. Wow. I had to be like, so are we talking about it or not? So did you guys get it or not? <laughs> did you get it? We want to talk about it? You know? I do it. I don't know say. You know? I... Tenemos que orar. That's what <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, okay. Um... But also, as I've, the older I've gotten, the more I realize that like coming out isn't just for me, it's also for your parents or, Mm. or for the people around you. You have to have a um, sensitivity and grace in understanding that they have a coming out process of their own to reevaluate who they thought you were and who they thought you were going to be. And right we like learn how to love each other. I'm married. My parents came to my wedding. They were beautiful. Like, a lot of bueno, tenemos que. <laughs> it wasn't a resounding like hooray. It was like ay dios mío, bueno. Pero estamos aquí. Tenemos que orar a ver si vamos ahí. Pero you know, that is so cultural. Oh my god, that is so know. cultural. You are doing a perfect impression of your mom. I hope. I, hope she, <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know her, and I feel like I know her. Gloria <laughs> Dios.
This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I often get asked why I'm such a big fan of wrestling. And it's all thanks to my grandma. Growing up, we would watch matches together. And that bond turned me into a lifelong fan. Hi. I'm Freddie Prince Jr., and on my podcast, Wrestling with Freddie, we know how important it is to have the right teammate, because things can get pretty tricky quick. So, when things get complicated and you need help, State Farm gives you options. They show you what's possible for ensuring what matters to you. One of the things that matters to me? Sharing memories and revisiting wrestling's greatest moments. And with State Farm's support of the Michael Tura Podcast Network, I get to do just that. Like a good neighbor, Stay Farm is there. Listen to new episodes of your favorite Michael Tura shows wherever you listen to podcasts. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. Tell me about the struggle. Tell me about the journey. How did you land that Sundance opportunity. Totally. You know, I know you came from Massachusetts and mm-hmm. you, you know, had a great school experience. Then what was, yeah. you know, your Latino man coming to New York? Sure. I mean, that was a bit of a rude awakening uh, <laughs> when you go from college where you're like, you're playing everything. Yeah. I can be whoever I want to be. Wow. Uh, and I'm also at <laughs> Tufts was a, was, was a white, white tough, especially the Tufts drama department was incredibly white. So I never played. But what kind of shows did you guys do? I never do played there? Latinos. I mean, I played okay. like, we did Company, uh, okay. uh, Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead. Um, Big Love. What else? School for so Scandal. When, I'm actually curious. So when yeah. you were there playing these, obviously these white Caucasian role mm-hmm. and such. Was there ever like a code switching thing that you would have to do or oh, like totally. something that you fell into? Yeah. Cause yeah, that's yeah. something that, I mean, my skin is really dark, but I played some white characters and I felt like I've had to code switch. <laughs> oh, absolutely. And it's almost like, and, and it's, it's cool. It's interesting that there's words for it now. <laughs> Awful. I mean, thank God that we have something to <laughs> name it. That, you know? word, <laughs> that we can name it now. But at the time I was just like, I'm just being an actor, you know, like, this I'm just is, being Joel Perez. I'm playing a character, <laughs> you know? Yes. And then so you get a false sense of like what the real world is. Cause then I was like, oh shit, now I'm a, now I'm a type, you know, that, what does that even mean? Like, what is that? Uh, I'm going to stop right. you right there. Cause that is so good. You come and play all these roles and these leads and then you go to the real world and the real world, you ain't white, bruh, you mm-hmm. Latino, like, hold on. Yeah. Or not. Or they're like, Oh wait, what are you? I don't, what is that? What? 
I don't, I or, can't, yeah, for, I can't for exactly, you in your case. I yeah. can't exactly like categorize you, but like, are you white figure enough? You out. Or like, and then even that is like, Ooh, you, you can play anything. You're so, you're that. so whatever. And I'm like, can I though? And like, so what was should, that? I'm like, should How? I? <laughs> Ooh. Ooh. Tell yeah. me all of that, all that nitty gritty. So how was that? What, what was that transition? It was, it was weird. Uh, the year after I, I graduated school, I stayed in Boston for a year and did a bunch of theater in Boston. Like I, I um, there's this thing called the uh, stage source auditions that happen in Boston every year. And you can like audition for all the local theaters. Right. So I stuck around and did that and got cast in a bunch of shows. And I did like the light in the piazza. I was like in the ensemble of the light in the piazza at a, at a speakeasy stage company. And then I did uh, uh, a production of a Christmas Carol at new repertory theater and mm-hmm. a production of cabaret and then um, I did a production of Coriolanus with the Actor Shakespeare Project. And then the show of uh, Pirates of Penzance at the Huntington. Uh, so I was like kind of getting some cool experience. Yeah. And at the same time, I would go down to New York all the time for open calls. I was insane. Like when I think about, when I look back and I look back, I was like, I would never do this now. But yes. I would like take an overnight bus. I would sleep at Port Authority on the floor and then i would go to down to the public and audition like go to an open call for hair that's what it took though i feel you on that i was doing crazy i got shingles at 21 i was doing crazy (laughs) what am i doing and now i think about it and i'm like i was driving myself i don't want to say what we thought but that at the time i feel like that's what the business was propelling in us and that not to show our our age or anything but i feel like back then it was like you hustle you hustle you're in line 4 a.m in the morning before anybody else in the non-union line you know and all of this so i completely feel that oh that just brought me ptsd (laughs) but one of those things that i did submit for and i went in Mm -hmm. for was in the heights when that was happening on broadway and wow uh, my scene after my senior year of college i saw in the heights on broadway I saw it on Broadway and I was like, I'm going to be in that show. I don't know what I was like, I can move to New York. I like, I saw that and I was like, Oh shit, I could move here. I could get a job here. I think this is the thing for me. So, and one of those things, one of those open calls I went to was in the Heights. And, uh, right after, uh, maybe like eight months after I had moved to New York for real, I got like a call from Telsey casting being like, Hey, do you live in New York now? Uh, we're having auditions for the In the Heights tour. Can you come in and audition for it? So then I went in and auditioned and had like like six callbacks. And I joined the ensemble of the show. And that was like my first for real job was doing the first national tour. It doesn't get any better than that. You're like doing. And that's like what started my career. And I can sort of point to that being what opened doors for everything. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. (sighs) Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I often get asked why I'm such a big fan of wrestling. And it's all thanks to my grandma. Growing up, we would watch matches together. And that bond turned me into a lifelong fan. Hi, I'm Freddie Prince Jr., 
and on my podcast, Wrestling with Freddie, we know how important it is to have the right teammate because things can get pretty tricky quick. So, when things get complicated and you need help, State Farm gives you options. They show you what's possible for ensuring what matters to you. One of the things that matters to me? Sharing memories and revisiting wrestling's greatest moments. And with State Farm's support of the Michael Tura Podcast Network, I get to do just that. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Listen to new episodes of your favorite Michael Tura shows wherever you listen to podcasts. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. What did you have going on right before the pandemic? I was in a, a show called Bob and Carol and Ted and Alice. It was an off-Broadway okay. musical at the New Group. And we got okay. shut down mid, mid-run mid because the pandemic like stopped us. Um, yeah. And so... I've had like such, I've have had like such blinders on in terms of just like mm. go go work 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 that it was kind of like nice to be like oh everyone else is stopping I don't have to feel guilty about sitting yeah. around and playing Animal Crossing for four months <laughs> <laughs> I can just like watch TV and bake bread and shit like it was great yeah it then also became like a a, a time of like reflection. There was George Floyd and mm-hmm. um, the protests and uh, uh, calling out like injustices within our industry and mm-hmm. moments of like sitting with that stuff it was also then a time to really think about like what is the kind of work that I want to make? What are the, what's yeah. the, how, are, are, as artists, our like biggest currency is time and where mm-hmm. am I? Give, who am I giving my time to? Yeah. Um, and that has definitely been during this time to be like, who, wait, who do I actually want to work for? Like, why do I actually, mm-hmm. or who, where do I want to use my voice to, to say? Um, kind of crazy that we never thought about that until the actual hit of the pandemic. It took this for us to, cause I had the same thing. I don't know if I really want to do your show eight times a week. <laughs> totally it's hard like coming back yeah it is hard it is a lot on your body and a lot on your soul to like invest in and like unless this is something that like i really believe in i'm like i don't mm. know if i really want to do this and I, hmm. but i also understand that that comes from a place of privilege in that like i don't have kids i don't have a mortgage Ew. i don't have yes you know, sick parents that I need to take care of or something. Yeah, like, thank God. If mm-hmm. I was in a different situation, I'd be like, uh, please, Hamilton, <laughs> please <laughs> give, me, give me one of them good government jobs. When you talk about, uh, like I did my Broadway debut in Fun Home, which um, my involvement in that show was because I was working on this other I was working on this other musical called Stuck Elevator that was being okay. developed through the Sundance Theater Lab in another, like not at not in Utah. They had this other place in Florida. 
that I was there as an actor. And Janine Tesori and Lisa Crone happened to be there on their own retreat writing Fun Home. They wrote the book mm. and music and lyrics for Fun Home. And so the way that those labs are set up, you're just kind of like, you work during the day, but then at night we would have dinner together and like hang out and get to know each other, blah, blah, Yeah. And at one point they were like, Joelle, you're so great. You should be in our musical. And I was <laughs> like, okay. <laughs> like, sure, okay. Talk about right place, right time. I'm like, yeah, Oof. I'd love to. And then we like, then they did a proper workshop of Fun Home and they asked me to be a part of it. And we're yet to, re- we get to rehearsals and Janine Tesori is like teaching me some music. And she was like, Joelle, you have such a good voice. And I was like, yeah, I thought that's why you cast me. And she was like, no, we honestly just thought that you were like really cool. Like we thought that you would be like fun to have in a rehearsal room. So it's like a plus that you can sing. And I was like, wow, this is, okay, guys. that's how shit really happens. So <laughs> yeah. inside scoop, that's how people really get jobs. It's just by like, um, <laughs> be a nice person who's like good to work with. And so I played this character. I played a bunch of characters in the show, but mm-hmm. the main character I played was Roy, who was sort of the uh, babysitter. The real Roy was a Caucasian man. And so I'm Puerto Rican and I, they cast me in this role. And so there was never like a conversation about is Roy Latino at all? Mm. Similarly, uh, another cast member who's one of my really good friends now, Roberta Calindres. Um, mm-hmm. She's um, Argentinian and Honduran. And she played this character, Joan. And in the real world, Joan was also Caucasian. So the two of us were like, we would call ourselves the Browns, <laughs> snuck into the show about white people. Um, just like, hey, guys. Like, hey, y'all. Um, <laughs> but there was never any like um, acknowledgement of our ethnicity. I was just mm-hmm. so happy to like be there in the room. Never super occurred to me until we started getting understudies. Yeah. They started, um, when it went, when we were off Broadway, we started getting understudies. And I was like, huh, all the guys who are, who are being called in to understudy me are white guys. All the, all the people who are being called to understudy Roberta's track are white women. And now in retrospect, I probably would have pushed back on that a little bit more to be like, mm. I don't personally want to be like the exception to the rule. I'd like that to be the precedent that there will be a yeah. person of color who will be continue on who we continue on or give another person like uh, another latino a broadway debut and i think that's sort of like my desire going forward is that i don't think that the solution to the issues of representation in the american musical theater is to put people of color in roles that would normally be played by caucasian people i don't what i would love to play are just three-dimensional Latino characters. I mean, what I'd love to do also is just remove the idea of race in general and just create human stories that we can just connect with. Yeah, Mm -hmm, absolutely. mm -hmm. Yeah, I hear you on that completely. We can talk about how Hamilton breaks that complete mentality of let's see something different of just a story being told. And on the same hand, while that is like incredibly uh, exciting for visual representation, there are frankly some issues of, of using bodies of color to represent a white story. Mm -hmm. This is a historically white story. And you're being like, hey, let's just forget about that. It's a bunch of black and brown people. Mm -hmm. Um, It's cool now. And you're like, is it though? Is it cool? I think you're slightly (laughs) like, forgive, you're, you're allowing us to like sort of erase 
some of the messier parts of history in order to like tell this story. And then I feel like that sort of sets a precedent and a trend that like see the solution to issues of representation is to just put black and brown people playing white people and now everyone's happy. And you're like, no, I'd actually would just rather play people who are like me. <laughs> well, like the show that I was doing right before the pandemic hit was Bob and Carol and Ted and Alice, which is based uh -huh. on this movie from the 60s. I played Bob and Bob is Caucasian. There was never even, there was never even a conversation about like, well, what if Bob is Puerto Rican? Right. That could be interesting. I don't know. Not, not that that needed to be the, that's not what it had to be, but it might've just like made the character a little more interesting. Um, mm -hmm. I could have accessed it from a more personal place than right. really acting. And that's the thing I'm like, y'all don't know how much I'm acting. <laughs> I'm acting a lot. Like, I'm that, working really hard. I'm working really hard. <laughs> and y'all are thinking it's like so easy. Oh yeah. He's just playing a white guy. I'm like, yeah, that's not, I didn't grow up like that at all. <laughs> oh my goodness. How do you feel that Latinos are being represented in our community now? And well, I think step one, I think this is what mm -hmm. has been slightly infuriating me about the whole discourse around Broadway is that I wish that we would decenter Broadway as the mark of your community existing, being important, being relevant, that mm. you only matter if mm. you're on Broadway. Because mm. Broadway is a business. Broadway mm -hmm. is about making money. It's not about representation and art and <laughs> our community. It's not. Yeah. It's literally like, can yeah. I, can, are we going to make a profit? That's all because mm -hmm. it's, it's a business. Yep. Which is fine. I'm like, great. Let's just, let's just all acknowledge the fact that this is a business. And so like what we need to do, at least I feel like things that we need to do are uplift, uplift organizations and communities that are already servicing our communities because they're there. Y'all yeah. are just not going to their, to those spaces. Mm. You're not supporting your communities. There are theaters and arts organizations that are already uplifting our communities. So give yeah. them your eyeballs, give them your dollar signs, give them your money, give them your social media shout outs to get your ass into that theater and be like, yes, I support you. Keep making the shit that you're making. It's so dumb. Like even I, I've been a part of developing Kiss My Ass Tech, for example, this musical by John Leguizamo. Ah, oh, mm-hmm. I've heard. We did it at Berkeley Rep and La Jolla Playhouse. Mm-hmm. Lovely. Their subscriber base are predominantly white. So they're not servicing the Latino communities. Like nope. Latinos aren't going to that theater. They don't actively buy tickets. They're not actively in the audience. So then when we show up, it's just like, hey, here's the Brown show we're doing. Uh, people right. might show up to see that, but they're not coming back. They're not, they're not, mm. they're not continuing to, to be subscribers to that theater. And because they don't necessarily feel welcome. They don't feel it's inaccessible. Yeah. And that's kind of a big thing with Broadway is that it is inaccessible. I didn't Absolutely. I didn't grow up seeing Broadway shows. That's not a that's yeah. not a thing that that is a part of my family's culture. You know, we don't I mean, I'm I'm from New York. My family is from New York. I can't put on my hand how if any of my cousins have even experienced Broadway shows in that way. And there's data that the Broadway League has gotten. Like it's predominantly white audiences that make mm -hmm. over $200,000 a year. 
like families yeah. that make over 200 grand, which yeah. unfortunately a lot of black and brown families don't make that much money. So it's a luxury. Yeah. I'm going to drop 600 bucks <laughs> to like take my family to go see a Broadway show or something. That's like, I don't want to sound too cynical about it all, but sometimes I feel like we're asking our like industry to do the job of our government. Like mm. we, we, do, we live in an unjust society, so yeah, we, can't ex- we can't expect to have a just <laughs> industry that also is just trying to exist within capitalist America. Like Exactly. Yeah. They just got to make money. And I always talk about this. When I, I studied in London and I worked out there for a little bit, mm-hmm. I've even just recently, I got representation out there because I'm, I'm ready to go back out. Nice. <laughs> um, I'm like, bye guys, I'll uh, be back yes. when you figure your shit out. Yeah. One of the reasons that I love working out there And honestly, now that I think about it, it, it's probably the things that I've seen out there are more diverse and more just they're on a different level artistically. And and also they're government funded. I met a plumber who can recite Shakespeare to me (laughs) at a pub. Like, are you kidding me? I'm like, America, get on it. Like, what are we doing? The value of art, the way it's viewed there. It is about money, but it's about the work. It's about the meaning of what is being presented and bringing people in that are interested in that and bringing people together. And I feel like we've lost that. Yeah. And as you said before, though, Broadway is a business. It's a business. It's about the shmoney. You think, I, I mean, this is my dumbass thought that being in fun home, oh my God, the, <laughs> oh my God, the doors are going to open. I'm going to go from Broadway show to Broadway show. No, they don't. Mm-mm. Nope. No, they don't. And that no, they show, don't. <laughs> that show was beautiful. We won the Tony Award Best yeah. Musical. And then we closed because yeah. it stopped selling tickets. And yeah. that's that's the biz. And, you know, Phantom of the Opera is still open, you know? <laughs> Bless them. Bless. <laughs> Bless it's, them. It's not, like, it's not like that ushered, it's not like Fun Home winning the Tony ushered this era of, like, queer representation on Broadway. Yeah. And, like, suddenly... No, they were like, they got to pat themselves on the back. And then now we're all back to auditioning to try to get jobs. You know, how is that now for you? And what are the things that you are doing and um, for your community, for not only in Broadway, but in your own works that you're that you have coming up? Yeah. How are we doing this through the work? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, in the musical theater side of things, like I, or in performance, I like wrote a solo show that I developed through Ars Nova over Mm, the summer mm -hmm. that I'm going to do again. January 31st, I'm doing a a concert at Joe's Pub at 9.30. Check it out. It's called Playing With Myself. And I I might have to come through, Joanne. Yes, please. Uh, it's like yes. a night of songs that I, I like write music with a loop station. And it's all just about like um, growing up as a gay Puerto Rican ex-Pentecostal. And then also I met Benjamin Velez, who is the composer of Kiss My Aztec. And he and I are, mm-hmm. are collaborating on a musical ourselves. I'm doing the book. He's doing the music and lyrics. And that's just my way to be like, I don't want to just sit around and complain about it. I kind of mm-hmm. want to write a show that's about Latinos that will employ Latinos. It's an adaptation of a book called Lost City Radio. That's by an author named Daniel Alarcón. And um, Daniel actually has a really successful podcast called Radio Ambulante. And this story is about, it's like set in a fictional Latin American country that has gone through um, 
a failed political revolution and is now under the rule of a tyrannical dictator. And there's a radio show called Lost City Radio hosted by a woman named Norma, where people can call in to try to reconnect with people who have gone missing. Uh, And this is a a country where all communication is um, controlled by the government. So it's not like you can Mm. just hop on Facebook and connect with your aunt who you haven't seen forever. Um, So people can call in to like connect. And usually it's like uh, human interests, like puff pieces, but every now and then Mm. people call in because they're trying to reconnect with family that friends and family who've gone missing because of their like leftist political leanings. Mm. And her Norma's husband was one of these, was part of this like leftist militia group. And he went missing 10 years ago. And Mm. one day a little boy shows up at the radio station with a list of names of people from his, uh, village that they've asked him to bring the list to Norma so that she can read them on air. And her husband's name is on this list. Uh, So she kind of goes on this journey to figure out like, who's this little boy and what happened to my husband and sort of uncover the truth about what happened to him in this like uh, terrorized society. It's a story that's happened all over Latin America. That was sort of my contribution to be like, hey, I don't want to sit back and complain about it. I want yeah. to be a part of creating uh, something in musical theater that at least is um, exciting and different and unique and that would also employ hey. Latinos and yes. people like us. And then aside from that, I've been doing a lot of like writing for television too. I have some like um, TV projects that I'm like some pilots that I'm developing. Anything you I- can share? Well, yeah, I got a grant from Warner Media uh, through 150. Okay, to, fancy. Yeah, I wrote. I, I yes. um, so I'm writing this pilot. It's called um, "You're Tired, You're Poor." You are tired. You are poor. Um, oh, me? You're talking? Are you talking to me? <laughs> I'm talking about all oh. of us. Uh, <laughs> "You're Tired, You're Poor," and it's kind of this like um, ensemble comedy, kind of like Ally McBeal, but set in the okay. world of immigration lawyers. <laughs> I love this. So it's a bit of a like um, long form narrative that you'd follow throughout the series. But then there's also like a procedural element to it where every episode, the office is dealing with a different immigration case. So I'm like kind of finishing that up. I have to like once and once I send it to Warner Media, then they'll sort of go from there, share it around with other um, other folks. And hopefully someone is makes it and then you can watch it on TV. <laughs> can you share with us one thing that always reminds you of home? However, it is that you define home. Platano Maduro. Okay. <laughs> Whenever I get like Maduritos, those always remind me of my grandma. She was like my home. She was because my grandmother lived with us growing up, and she mm-hmm. like her food was her love language. Mm. Um, and so anytime I eat Latin food, I'm always like Abuelita. Purificación. Her name is Purificación. That was her name. Yeah, Purificación Sanchez. Wow. Yeah, we called her Purita or Pura. Purita. <laughs> I love that. Oh my God. I yeah. love that. Joel, how do we follow you? Where can we find you on Instagram? This yeah, is your yeah. time to do the plug. Yes, please follow me. I'm at M I S T E R J O E L P E R E Z at Mr. Joel Perez on Instagram and Twitter. I don't have Facebook. Well, Joel, thank you so much for um, for sharing your story. Thank you for your vulnerability. Thank you for your honesty. Um, Thank you for being you. And I cannot wait to see all the incredible things that you come out with, with all your projects. Um, Everyone keep an eye out for Joelle. I have a good feeling about all the things you're doing. Um, And I can't wait to see more. 
you're going to kill it. You're going to kill it. I'm putting it in the universe. You're going to yeah. kill I it. Take it. I'm taking it. I'm taking it. <laughs> Thank you, Joel. <laughs> Thanks for being on Morenita. And we look forward to catching up with you soon. Word. Bye. Ciao. On this episode today, we talked about Broadway and Joelle said something interesting about decentering Broadway in theater. Broadway is great, but so is the local theater in your community. The one at the Civic Theater that puts on shows. The slam poetry night at your favorite bar. The one that you just decided you want to start. Support theater in your community. Go spend money on art in your community. Go make art in your community. No pare, sigue, sigue. Morenita is a production of Sonoro in partnership with iHeartRadio's My Cultura Podcast Network. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home.